0: Hello, everyone. It's wonderful to have you as part of the worshiping community, which is gathered from Bundaberg Uniting Church in Australia and is spread all over the world. Whether you're watching us live this morning, (coughs) excuse me, or watching the recording later on on YouTube or the podcasts, may you know that you are part of the family of God, gathered to worship, gathered to hear his word, gathered to be led by him into this all-important time of Easter. Easter is the most significant moment for us as Christians. It's the defining point of our faith. There are many people who believe in Jesus. His existence is historical fact. But it's the moment of Easter that sets us apart. Because it's not only that we believe in Jesus, but that we believe he is the Son of God, crucified on the cross, but who rose again and defeated the power of death and the power of evil for all time? And what a beautiful message of light and hope that is for us in the difficult times that we are living through. If you saw our midweek video, you will know that I am duty bound to have an illustration from Home and Away, an Australian soap opera. And uh, the illustration is not from Home and Away as such, but I did see all of the Channel Seven presenters from. Livio, the weatherman, to Scotty, the fishing report guy, and everyone in between. And the message that they were saying is, we are all in this together. It was super encouraging. It was patriotic. It was just lovely to see. But at the end of the day, the message of hope stretches much further. It stretches from the cross to the empty tomb, and all the way through the ages to this point, here this morning, in this church, in your homes as we celebrate holy communion together remembering that we serve a god who has already overcome all things and that is the beauty of easter's message so we begin what is mostly most certainly a first for me and a very unique communion service i would say it's probably a first so for you too and let me certainly. say in all sincerity and with a, with a heart full of joy, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Take a moment. Say it to those uh, that you're watching this with. And if you're watching this message on your own, know that I am saying it to you. I do just want to mention that one of the Queensland deaths uh, from the coronavirus is uh, the Reverend Des Williams, who passed away this week. And uh, the Reverend Williams uh, was a retired Uniting Church minister who ministered for uh, many years here in Bundaberg during the 80s and the 90s. And so he is well-remembered and loved by many in this congregation. His wife has also contracted the virus, and uh, we pass... As we pass the peace on to one another, we remember Des and we remember uh, the whole family and pray God's peace into their lives as we give thanks for him and for his ministry. May they be, be- blessed with God's peace. As you watch this, whether it's live or recorded, please don't forget to send us a message uh, when you're looking at us on Facebook. Tell us where you're watching from. It's always great to see that. And say hello, even if it's just from around the corner here in Bundaberg or all over the world. It helps us to feel connected when we see those names pop up on the screen. And even though we can't actually be together, it makes us feel like we are one body worshiping God. So feel free to send a message, ask a question. If there's something meaningful to you, click on that like button or the little heart. Let us know that you're there as we go along and Feel free to to ask and to comment, and we will do our best to get to each one of those, if not today, then during the week. And speaking of uh, Holy Communion today, I hope and pray that you are able to get the liturgy that was emailed to our mailing list, and that I put up on Facebook yesterday. If uh, you didn't get it, just scroll downwards. It's probably where my feet should be, and uh, you'll see a post with four images which if you could print those out or somehow get to be able to see that for communion, you'll also need to provide your own bread and grape juice. Unless, of course, you have a computer with a CD-ROM drive, then at just the right moment when I would have normally given you the bread, your CD drive will open and the bread and the wine will be there for you. I'm just kidding. No one has a CD-ROM anymore. In fact, any millennials listening to this are going, Like, what on earth is he like talking about? Like, what's a CD? Luckily, millennials can also take a joke. Seriously, though, if you could have some bread or some gluten-free wafers, some juice for communion a little later on, Reverend Ray Nutley and I will share in communion, and you'll be able to share with us right in your own homes. Let us open in prayer. Lord, as we begin the journey to Easter, we thank you for this defining moment in the Christian faith. A moment that demonstrates your power, your magnificence, and your holiness. A moment that allows us to know that you are God over all things. God, creator almighty, who spoke words and the stars came into being. We thank you that in your greatness and power, you are still a personal God. That despite your majesty and might, You care for us. You love us as individuals. You know everything there is to know about us. You are creator of all things, yet kind and caring and loving and personal. And for the privilege of being able to call you Father, of being able to, to speak to you without an intermediary, we give you thanks. We praise you and we worship you this morning. We thank you, Lord, that there is nothing in our lives that... Is untouched by your Holy Spirit that you aren't taken by surprise by anything but you are always there and that is a beautiful thing you always strengthen you always guide you always help we give you praise for that we praise you that in the middle of the trials that we are facing in our world today we can still be at peace because we know that you are present and you are powerful And so, Lord God, we thank you for the gift of forgiveness that we celebrate in Holy Communion today. We thank you, Lord, that you are more willing to forgive than we are to ask. And we pray, Lord, that as we receive your forgiveness, we may know the beauty of a God who bears no grudges. Despite moments when we have been unfaithful, you continue to be faithful, and in that we rejoice. So may you be glorified, Lord God, we pray through this service. And as we share in communion, we pray these things as together we say the prayer you taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. On this Palm Sunday, we're going to be reading the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem and looking specifically at the crowd's reactions, looking at what was going on behind the scenes, how this speaks to us in terms of the nature of Jesus as our Savior. We'll be looking at understanding what the nature of a Savior is and what Jesus means when he says that he is a Savior to you and to me. And how if we grasp that and grasp a a better understanding of of that, it brings great significance uh, or significant changes in our relationship with God, especially at this time. And so our readings begin in the Old Testament as the prophet Isaiah instructs the people in chapter 55 verses 6 to 13 Isaiah 55 verses 6 to 13 seek the lord while he may be found call on him when he is near let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts let them turn to the lord and he will have mercy on them and to our god for he will freely pardon for my thoughts Are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, So is the word that goes out of from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of brears the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. And then from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her untie them and bring them to me if anyone says anything to you say that the Lord has need of them and he will send them right away this took place what was fulfilled this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet say to daughter Zion see your king comes to you gentle riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out before them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight We pray that as we gather in our homes, wherever we may be, we gather to hear your word, to listen to the voice of your spirit. And so we pray that it might be your words we hear and your voice that comes through the speakers we're listening to. May you take the message and make it relevant in our lives. Give us each something that knows that you have been speaking to us for it relates to us and touches us. Lord, we, your faithful servants, seek to be ever-growing in faithfulness and desire with all of our hearts to hear from you. May your Spirit speak to us, we pray. Amen. The Palm Sunday story always fascinates me. There are different accounts in the different Gospels, little differences here and there. But it, it, it fascinates me for a whole variety of reasons. One of them is to think of Jesus riding on the on the donkey and on the colt. The crowds that are so fickle, they fascinate me, shouting Hosanna and Hallelujah on one day. And then the next week they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him, and taking him to the cross. I'm fascinated that this fickle crowd was so... Taken with Jesus, that they laid their cloaks on the road for the donkey to walk on. Their cloaks. Many of them would have only had one cloak, possibly their only possession. And it was a very important possession, provided shelter, provided warmth. But they're happy almost to let it get ruined, let it get trampled over by a donkey because the Messiah, the Messiah is coming. Hosanna to the Son of David. That's royalty. That's royal talk for them. They knew the prophecies. They knew that the Savior would have been of David's line. They didn't just pick the phrase because it seemed to roll nicely off their tongue. They were saying, we've been waiting for you. You're the Messiah. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, friends, the Jews, the people of Jerusalem, they knew that they needed a Savior things were bad. They needed a Messiah. They needed a Savior, and they needed him now. At that time, the Jews found themselves under heavy Roman rule and oppression. There were reasonable taxes. There were restrictions. There was the heavy hand of the law. There were numerous executions by means of crucifixion. Jesus may have been the first person you and I have read about being crucified on a cross, but It wasn't so for the Jews. They had seen it before. They were aware of what was happening. It had happened far too many times. Now they desired a king and a conqueror, someone to set them free, someone who would destroy the tyranny of Rome and make them suffer a little bit, uh, give them a taste of their own medicine. And in their minds, in the people's minds, Jesus was the one who was going to do this. They had seen the mighty works of this man. They had been following him for a couple of years. They were witness to him restoring sight to the blind. They saw evidence of him healing the lame. They saw him feed thousands of people with the lunch from a little boy. They heard him heard about him raising Lazarus not too long ago. They had listened to him teach with authority. Surely, with the power and the influence and the kind of personality like that, Jesus was without a doubt the one who was going to set them free. So when Jesus came to Jerusalem, the crowds began to cheer. They began to shout. They knew a Savior was needed. And the timing was right. It was beautiful. Everything was just perfect. Jerusalem was packed with people because it was the approaching Passover feast. And this was their most symbolic time where the angel had passed over Egypt. They're celebrating that that moment that the angel had passed over Egypt and Pharaoh had let God's children go and they had been freed from captivity. Everything seemed to fit. And now the Savior that they needed, this Jesus, the one who would lead them from the restraints and cruel, cruel, cruel treatment that they were receiving, here he was coming like the prophecies said he would. And so Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and the crowds waved their palm branches, put their jackets, their coats on the road, cheering the arrival of the Savior that they needed. But what's interesting about this crowd is they didn't only know that a Savior was needed. They knew that Jesus was that Savior. That Jesus is that Savior. Of course, he wasn't going to be the kind of Savior that they expected. We know that now. But they knew enough to know that Jesus ticked all of the boxes. He fulfilled uh, a whole lot of the prophecies, which they would have been taught and would have had to listen to uh, in the temple from when they were that small. He fulfilled the prophecies. He stood up to the authorities. Even the Pharisees and the Sadducees with their tricky language and questions couldn't catch him out. He had the measure of all of them. He was courageous. He was authoritative. And now on this day, fulfilling the prophecy that Zechariah said, where the king will come riding into Jerusalem gently on a donkey. It is so interesting to see that they actually understood their need of a Savior. They understood that. It's more interesting to know that they understood that Jesus was that Savior. But as soon as they faced with the real Jesus, with the Savior who they wanted, but not doing what they thought the Savior should be doing, as soon as they faced with the Jesus outside of the box they had created for him, breaking the mold they had put him into, they turn on him, and they turn quickly. I mean, the very words that they used to cheer, to cheer Jesus on on Palm Sunday are an indication that they knew this was the Messiah. They had all the right words, but they missed the point. They had all the right notes, but none of the music. The theology is correct. The knowledge is correct. The initial response, the the practice of what they were doing is all correct. But Jesus is still rejected, and his death is still called for by the crowds. Even though it was many years ago, I'll never forget walking into a room where someone was busy trying to frantically complete an assignment before the deadline, the college deadline. And uh, they hadn't done a proper job, they had procrastinated it, they were, um, they were rushing through the work and what they were doing as I came into the room was just copying paragraphs and paragraphs of various books and passing it off on their own, of, um, as their own, just trying to get to the, um, to the word limit and adding quotes and things without actually giving credit for them. And I said, well, you can't, you can't do that. It was in the, this was in the days long before um, a sign check or safe check or whatever the uh, software is that they use to check for plagiarism uh, these days. But I looked at him and I said, I said, what are you doing? What's going on? And I was told with no sense of shame whatsoever what he was doing. And when I said rather angrily, that's out of line, I was told, well, they'll never find out. These assignments are getting marked by post students, not by lecturers. The chances of them having read all these books are pretty slim, and no one's ever going to know. The reason why this event sticks so clearly in my mind is because of the answer I got to the next question. I said, what assignment is it anyway? And he replied, ethics. <laughs> That's a true story ethics. And so, he did pretty well in the assignment. And it was that day that I realized it's entirely possible to get an A for ethics and still be unethical. This crowd was so blinded by what they thought best, by what they thought was The only way a Messiah could work. The only way out of the situation they were in. Their vision was so clouded by what they desired that even though they had all the theory, even though they knew everything, they completely missed what was obvious and right before them. What's that phrase? Can't see the wood for the trees. They knew that they needed a Savior. They knew that Jesus was that Savior. But when they could not see it, in any form than what they imagined it should be. They rejected him. When the Savior didn't act in the way they felt he should act, it was over. And perhaps one of the reasons they missed it was because in their mind they needed a Savior, but Jesus came to save more than them. He came to save everyone and everything. Jesus came to save completely to redeem them and all of creation. This was so much bigger. There was, Jesus was looking at a much bigger picture than what they could see or what they would see. They wanted a prophet, but not one that would tell them the whole truth about their city and its pains as a result of the actions they had taken. Jesus says in Luke's version of the event, O Jerusalem, I weep for you. If only you had recognized on this day what would bring you peace. They wanted a Messiah to be seated on a powerful throne, not enthroned on a cross for people to laugh and to spit at. They wanted to be healed. But Jesus wasn't offering just healing from physical illness. He was offering spiritual healing, healing of a comprehensive nature, so much more than just an immediate pressing problem. They wanted to be rescued from evil and oppression and the exploitation by the rich. And Jesus says, yes, I will do that. I will defeat all of those things, but on a level much deeper than what you can imagine. And it's precisely because Jesus is answering their prayer on a much deeper level. Jesus hears their requests and goes, so much deeper, so much more complete It's because of that, because he saves completely and doesn't just do what they want, that they cannot see him fulfilling the role they desire in their own minds. So the crowd on Palm Sunday are fascinating. Not just because they let a donkey ride over their best or only coats, but because they knew that they needed a Savior. They knew that Jesus was their Savior. And even though salvation would be far deeper and more comprehensive than they could imagine, even though Jesus saves completely, it wasn't what they wanted. And they changed their shouts from Hosanna to crucify him. How does this apply or relate to us today? Well, in many ways, we can find ourselves in the same position as the crowds were on that day. We know that a Savior is needed. If anything has taught us this, it has been this last month. All over the world, humanity has seen that it needs a Savior. We have discovered that the things that we were placing great confidence in have fallen down, many within just a couple of days. The things that gave us great security, things that had us thinking our futures are all sorted out and planned for we've done well, came tumbling down like a house of cards. If two months ago someone had told you that they were going to embark on a career in commercial aviation or a holiday travel or cruise liners, you would have said, great, go for it. Those are rock solid industries. People will always be flying, always be taking cruises. But it's not just those industries. That team from the 7 News Channel, they, they correct when they said, we're all in this together. Because everybody's lost. Pensions or securities or investments. Unless you were very lucky and bought shares a month ago in hand sanitizers or toilet paper or Zoom, uh, we're all in the position of seeing that which was a security blanket that we were holding on to just ripped away. We're vulnerable and we suddenly realized it. We need a savior. Not just a savior in terms of the vaccine or an economic bailout. We need a savior who will give us hope. We need a savior who will take away fear. Who will reveal what is unknown in the future. A savior in whom we can be secure. A savior that we can trust because he never changes. He never sleeps. He's never caught unaware. We need that savior and we need him now. We read in Isaiah the same cry from the prophet. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. We are longing for meaning. We are longing to hold on to something. We are longing to have the sense of security that we once did. We need a Savior, and it's not for the same reason as it was for the Jews, but just like their situation, we're not gathered in crowds, but in our homes because we know, we're listening to this because we know the world needs a Savior. And we know that Jesus is that Savior. Like those crowds, we know that he is the Savior. That's why we've tuned in today. That's why you've got Holy Communion ready this morning. That's why we are going to take that communion with one another because we know that Jesus is the one who has redeemed us and has redeemed the world and will do so again and again and again. We know that He loves us. We know that He tells us not to worry. We know that He is all powerful and promised never to leave us or forsake us. We know the theory, we know it. But we sometimes forget to put it into practice. Like the Jews of the time, we too can have all the knowledge and still miss the point. We can have all the knowledge and know in our hearts that Jesus is the Savior, but for some reason, we still choose to look to other things. We try and find hope in other things. I saw a a mum who was trying to find hope uh, a little while back in homeschooling and And uh, she had filled up her coffee mug with wine so that the children wouldn't know that that was how she was trying to get through the day. We try and find hope in other things. And friends, I'll tell you this. I don't think it's something we should feel like absolute failures in because it's something that happens to all of us when we are not careful. It's been happening to faithful, well-meaning people for centuries. As we get busy, as we focus on things that are seemingly very important to us, before we even realize, we've pushed God out to the outside framework of our lives. And like I said in the couple of weeks ago, we end up connecting with God only when the schedule allows. We end up going to church only if there's time on the weekend. It happens to all of us because it's the nature of the world that we live in but because it happens to all of us shouldn't be a reason for it to keep happening we crowd him out of our lives but yet we know he is the Savior we know this we just sometimes miss the point of what that means but here's the good news while we may draw parallels with the crowds that day there's a very big difference and that is that we know, too, what happened on the cross. And more importantly, what happened in the tomb. We know about the resurrection. And that's why there's bread and wine on the table this morning. Because we know what they didn't. And that is the, complete, the completeness in which Jesus saves. We know that when Christ died on the cross, it wasn't just a, a fleeting whim that took him there. It wasn't some miscalculated judgment of being in the wrong time, uh, wrong place at the wrong time. This was bigger than you and me and all of creation. This was God saying, I will be the Savior. I will redeem. I will save. I will give hope and bring healing in ways that you haven't even dreamt possible. For I am the Lord your God who is powerful. And I will do this for you and I'll do this for all of creation Because I love you. They didn't know that. They couldn't see that. We can. And we do. And we know. We know. God is a God who saves. Completely, and although we may not know how or always be able to see or understand the why, history has shown, and our own experience has shown, that God is ultimately working towards saving all things, redeeming all things, and bringing healing to all things. Listen to the prophet Isaiah: "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways neither are your ways my ways," declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire. And achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Instead of the thornbush, instead of the thornbush will grow the juniper. And instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. God is the God of the big picture. He is saving completely. For the Jews, they didn't know that, that when they asked for a Messiah to bring healing, he was going to offer healing on a spiritual level, connecting us with God in a personal relationship. They didn't know when they prayed for a Messiah to defeat evil and oppression that Jesus would defeat it once and for all so that at no time would evil ever have the power over good. They didn't know when they wanted a king on the throne, that that throne would be in the kingdom of heaven where the king is on our side. But we know, you and I, we know Jesus saves completely. Which means that when we pray, we know our need of a savior And we know the theory of Jesus being that Savior. And so we pray not being limited by the framework of our own minds. But we open up those prayers in submission to him. We pray with our expectations not limited by ourselves. But knowing that his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And that whatever is happening, God will be working to bring about his plan of redemption. His plan of healing for all people. So how does that work in our current situation? Well, it means that when we pray for healing, we look not only for the physical healing taking place, but we see healing happening in ways bigger than we could imagine. We see Sometimes the opportunity for families and relationships to be healed because they're stuck together and spending time with one another. I'm sure that like me, your phone and and emails have probably been flooded with, with beautiful stories of restored relationships because of connection that has happened, because there's time all of a sudden. When we pray for God's will to be done and we see people caring for the elderly and And those who are weak, when we see people connecting and doing shopping for others and taking time to talk, there we see God's ways in the situation. I was watching uh, the news a couple of days ago this week, and I saw a lovely story of a lady who would go every morning and have morning tea outside the window of her elderly neighbor, just spend some time chatting and and catching up with her. There's God's kingdom. There it is coming. We pray for hope. And we see hundreds of doctors and nurses coming out of retirement to care. When we pray, we don't just expect God to follow our expectations. If we know that Jesus saves completely, then we pray knowing that what we can see and what we want is but a tiny part of a picture that God sees. And we pray with the expectation that he sees more and does more than we can know. When you go to a financial planner, you don't only show him half of your income. You have to lay it all out so that they can do their job properly. Admittedly, now it might take a little less time to do that. But there is a Savior who says, When you pray to me, open everything. Open it all. Don't limit me to the expectations that you have of what you think I'm able to do. I'm here to save completely. Don't just shove me into the corner, says Jesus, and pull me out when you want things to be done your way. But give me everything. You know the theory. You know, I can be trusted. For that is the nature of what I am as your Savior. For you and for me, the beauty of this Palm Sunday is that, like those crowds, we know we need a Savior. We know that Savior is Jesus. But unlike those crowds, we see the empty tomb. We've seen the hand of God at work, and we can trust that He is still working now. We just have to open our eyes beyond our own circumstances, to see it. Does that mean that God caused all of this stuff to happen? As some people have said to me, that God inflicted this on his people? No. No, no, no. Jesus himself says to us, no loving parent gives bad things to his child. Jesus says that. But it does mean that God can work in this time, and God will work in this time, and that God will make something beautiful out of this moment, just as He did on the cross. Let me close with my favorite, one of my favorite stories, and uh, you may well have heard it before. And if you have heard it before, please forgive me, and enjoy it as I tell it anyway. It's a story of something that happened a while ago. I don't have any of the specifics, but there was a, a piano concert and uh, people had bought tickets to go and listen to this maestro play the piano and and play these fancy concertos and pieces and all the rest of it and uh, the crowd was gathering they were taking their seats and in the crowd uh, somewhere near the front was a mum and her little boy but i don't know guess about six or seven years old and uh, they were sitting together and the mum was talking to the person sitting next to her and having a conversation the piano was up on the screen and And she looked up up on the screen, up on the stage. She looked to the left, and uh, she saw that her child, her little boy, was missing. Out of his seat, gone. Concert halls filling up. She didn't know where he was. Looked around a little bit more. And then with absolute horror, saw that he had made his way onto the stage. And he was walking towards the maestro's beautiful piano. The crowd suddenly noticed this boy on the stage and and a sort of a hush and whisper fell over them. The mother was too embarrassed, too frightened to know what to do. She, do I get up and grab him? You know, will I be kicked up? What's gonna happen here? And, And so she kind of sat frozen in her chair, not knowing how to respond. And to her absolute horror, the little boy sat down on the maestro's chair. And as little kids would sometimes tend to do, thought that he could play whatever he wanted on the piano and started banging with all of his might on different keys, making this horrendous noise coming out of this beautiful instrument. The whole crowd was horrified at what was taking place. And at that moment, the maestro came walking out of the wings, sees this little child playing on the piano, and he walks up behind him, stands behind. Everybody is now wondering what on earth is going to happen. And the maestro towers over the boy like this. And the boy suddenly gets a, is suddenly aware of the presence and turns around and gets a great big fright. The maestro looks at him and says, keep playing. Keep playing. And so the little boy starts going back onto the keys. And as he does so, the maestro takes his hands and starts weaving melodies around what is being played. And a beautiful make, uh, makeshift song comes out as the maestro takes this horrendous situation and makes something beautiful out of it. They finish up the little song. He helps him off the, off the, off the piano stool and they walk to the front. They both take a bow together. They get a, a standing ovation and the little boy runs back to his seat and they enjoy the concert that is then presented. I see God like that in these moments. I don't believe that God causes the chaos. I don't believe God makes the cacophony of noise that is, that is happening all around us. But in the midst of it, I see God as that maestro who comes and weaves his hands over the mess I see God making something beautiful, bringing healing and hope and wholeness that will endure forever. For that is what a Savior does. That is the nature of the Savior. That is the nature of our Savior. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our Savior. Thank you, Lord, that we have seen throughout history that you are working for the redemption of all of creation. Thank you that you take the most difficult circumstance and can make something beautiful out of what happens. As we take Holy Communion this morning, Lord, may we be reminded that our knowledge goes further than those in Jerusalem. We see the cross. But more importantly, we see the resurrection. And an empty tomb. And as we take the bread and the wine this morning, we celebrate that you are our Savior. Yours and mine. Amen. I'm going to ask if uh, Rev. Ray Nutley will join me in uh, the front as we share in Holy Communion together. Got a hand sanitizer. And if you would take those pages that you uh, would have printed or had before you, then uh, please will you follow with me and I'm going to read the parts that are in in black and if uh, you will read with Ray, who is going to lead the people's reading, the people's responses as we share in Holy Communion together. So the Lord be with you.
1: And also with you.
0: Sisters and brothers, although we are apart, we are held together. God is God over time, space and distance. The love of the father is ours the presence of jesus is here the spirit unites us no distance can come between us no difference should divide us no experience must cause us to stop loving and caring our god is worthy of praise
1: in god we trust we are one in christ
0: and so we praise you lord together with the faithful of every time and place Joining with choirs of angels and the whole creation in the eternal hymn say with us, Holy, Holy, Holy Holy Lord, God of power and and might, heaven and and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, you made us for fellowship with you and with one another. We honor you and look forward to the day when we will all be together. We ask your help during these difficult days. We know, however, that it is not just a physical separation that causes pain. Where our actions have resulted in separation from you and from others.
1: Please forgive us.
0: Where the actions of others have been allowed to come between us.
1: Please forgive us and help us to forgive them.
0: Lead us in your way. Keep us from distancing ourselves even further. Protect us from all forces that come between us. For you bind us together and have our future in your hands. You deserve all the glory. Amen. And so we ask Jesus, Lamb of God, Jesus, bearer of our sins,
1: have mercy on us.
0: Jesus, redeemer of the world,
1: grant us peace.
0: We thank you, Lord, for your good creation. When we fell away from you, you came close to us through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. His birth, life, death, resurrection and ascension brings us together at our tables together with all of the world, with you, our God and our King, as the head of our table.
1: It is not in our own goodness that we depend, but in your love that we are invited to share this moment. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs under your table, but your grace, you make us worthy and invite us to this meal. So feed us with the body and blood of Christ your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us.
0: Amen. As took place with the disciples on the night he was betrayed, we take this bread as Jesus took bread. We give thanks as Jesus gave thanks. And we break it as Jesus broke it. We hear the words, of Jesus spoken to the disciples and to us for all time, this is my body broken for you.
1: As we eat a piece of bread, a broken body, as Jesus' body is broken, we experience being made whole again.
0: Friends, if each of you would take a piece of bread or one of the wafers and eat these as I say these words to you. This is the body of Christ, broken for you. Take it and eat it, remembering Christ's love. We take the cup as Jesus takes the cup. We give thanks as Jesus gives thanks. We hear the words of Jesus spoken for all time. This is my blood shed for you.
1: As we drink from the cup, as Jesus drank from the cup, we experience the pouring out of God's spirit.
0: Friends, if you would take your cup and drink it as I say these words. This is the blood of Christ poured out for you. Drink it, remembering that Jesus loves you. We spend a moment in prayer. We say together the prayer of thanksgiving.
1: We thank you, Lord, that you have fed us in this sacrament, united us with Christ and with one another over distance, time and space. We thank you that you have given us a foretaste of heaven here on earth. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Ray. Friends, I hope that you were able to enjoy uh, that Holy Communion together, and I pray that it was special as uh, you experienced the presence of God right in your own living room. As we have done each week, we take a moment to bring our prayers of intercession before God, to lift those who we know are in need of prayer to Him. And we also will pray a prayer of dedication and thanks for the offering that has been given uh, electronically and by those who were able to bring their offerings into the office. Our sincerest thanks for the amazing way you have responded in your giving. And, uh, and we thank you for that. If you would like to make a contribution to, as part of your worship to God's, uh, to God's work here in the church, the account details are on our website. They're very easy to find. And, um, and that's sincerely appreciated as, we, as part of our worship continues to be um, giving of our gifts and offerings to God. Thank you for your faithfulness, friends. In doing that it has been a blessing uh, to see let us pray Lord God we thank you for those gifts that have been given through online giving and brought into the church office we thank you for the ways in which you continue to be faithful to us and to see your church grow to help your church be a witness in this time when it is most uh, when it is most needed to help us bring hope and light and peace and the news of a Savior to those who need to hear that message. Lord God, we offer these gifts to you with grateful hearts. They are a part of our worship. They're a way in, it, in which we are saying that we love you not just with our voices, but with everything we have. All of our lives is for your glory. Use them, we pray. Lord, we want to pray for those who are in need of your touch especially this morning we think of of Deza's family of his wife uh, of the children who are, are struggling the grandchildren and pray your blessing upon them as they suffer bereavement for all of those who are struggling with bereavement we pray your blessing upon them we pray Lord for those who are fearful and worried for those who are scared for those who are most vulnerable and and weak for those who they know this would be a very severe part, a very severe impact on their lives whether to get sick we lift them before you and ask that you calm fears that you bring peace we pray for the doctors and the nurses and the scientists and the the whole medical community we pray lord not only for their protection we ask for their protection but we pray too lord that they may know that they are being prayed for and upheld in prayer by your church lord god we pray for our our own needs the things on our hearts we think of loved ones in need of prayer those who are are struggling with loneliness those who have difficulties with Relationships or finances or jobs or whatever the case is. You know who we're thinking of in our minds. You know the challenges that are being faced this week. We bring them to you. Along, too, Lord, with our own needs. There are those things, Lord, known only to you and to us. We lift those before you this morning as well. And pray, Lord God, that you would give us the assurance. That you are our savior, working completely in all of these things. We thank you, God, that you are with us. We commit this service to your, uh, into your hands, and thank you for the movement of your spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. And so, friends, may you be blessed uh, in this coming week. I look forward to our next live stream uh, next week, Sunday at nine. Oh, sorry, on Thursday at uh, at 6:30, we're doing a special tenebrae service that too will have um a shortened version of communion and tenebrae is always a very special service that is uh, quite something to attend we're going to do it in a, a bit of a unique way on thursday night and i look forward to catching you on that live stream then good friday we're doing our services at 9:30, and also again on easter sunday come and join us for a, an easter with a difference an online easter And uh, I'm sure that as we journey together, we'll be blessed. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and those whom we love this day and forevermore. Amen.